Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, I tell you what, um, we've had some people through the doors here, but this lady in front of us, Dan, has been yes. very high on the list for a long time. And as before, she's done the stuff. You've seen her on TV a little bit, but we wanted to chat to her before that. I wanted to make oh, yeah. note, right? And I'm yep. not going to mention what that name is because I want to talk to her about her career in the athletics realm. Liz Parnoff joins us. Hello, Liz. Hello. Hey, Liz. Thank you for having me. How are you going? Yeah, good. Very good. I see you've worn in your own T-shirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look, I mean, we love a branding marketing moment. So <laughs> yes. there's don't, no shame in wearing yourself loud and proud. Don't worry. Mm. And like while we're on that, Backchat prou- proudly powered by Fleet Network yeah, for 2023. So don't mm. worry, we're a marketing beast in here yeah. as you are in some of your other endeavours, Liz. But I want to start with your athletic career. Now, I know you're a two-time Olympian, right? Been at the Com Games. Had to dig deep for that info as well. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, thank you very much to your partner, Dan, who provided that information after I asked for inside information. He said she went to the Olympics twice. Thanks, Dan. You <laughs> idiot. Uh, you've beat Com Games. You've, you, like, you've just, you've literally done it all in pole vault, right? You're an athlete. We know it. You've lived out people's dreams. And we're going to talk about that. Wow. And we're going to talk about that, right? But I just want to start with, we don't care about that just no. for the, right now. We don't want to know, we want to know your greatest sporting achievement. Not as an athlete. Not so with the pole. You can't. Not with the pole. Is that pole. what you say? We don't. We're poleless. We, <laughs> we, we, we want. Okay, you've been. You've had an athletic career, but we want to know your greatest sporting achievement. Not as an athlete. So, what wow. are you thinking? What are you thinking? Mm. Right. We ask this. This is the first question yeah, we ask yeah, every yeah, guest. Yeah. Every time. Dan. I'll uh, pat a bit. Anything uh, off the top of your head. Oh, which one to pick from? Um, under 12s cricket grand final. I bowled five wickets for 16 runs. Um, that's the game ball there, right there in the trophy. Um, oh, thinking it. Uh, that's the greatest thing I've ever done in the sporting realm. I've like always wanted to change this up. I mean, really, the best thing I've done, I was state. Uh, I mean, this, this is good, <laughs> eh? Athlete. Mm. State under nines, 80 meter hurdle champion. Um, quite, small, <laughs> quite small hurdles I know you're impressed um, How high were the hurdles again? They're small They're real small like 20 centimetres Yeah they're really, they're really small <laughs> That's small They're wickets They're not hurdles Yeah mate. correct But hey you're going to win right? 
Yeah, yeah, I beat yeah, other yeah, kids yeah. jumping over the wickets. So <laughs> that was that was me. I'm an under nine state champion at hurdles. We want to know yours. What have you done in the sporting realm that's not as a pole vaulter? Sands pole. Wow, this is really hard. No. I'm really going into the archives because I've been pole vaulting since I was ten, I and know. so like my memory before that's not great. But I feel like, like I mean, I competed against you in a water polo tournament about two years ago. I mean, yeah, I did water polo. That was probably a great achievement. But I think if I think far back, it would be I swam fifty meters butterfly nonstop and didn't stop yes. at like a school sports carnival. Really good in a race. Yeah. What did you come in the race? Do you remember? Doesn't matter. You completed it. I completed it. <laughs> nice. Didn't you tell me that you went to your sporting carnival in a wetsuit? Uh, yeah, I did you? underneath my clothes and I pulled them off last minute because it was the era of Ian Thought when he first wore the full leg thing and I got disqualified. Oh. I, apparently you can't do that. Which is bull. God. Ian Thought did it. Were you trying to be aerodynamic or yeah. like beat the cold? No, I was trying to be aerodynamic, but apparently because it was like a thick wetsuit, they were like, you just, you're just you're faster because you're floating. So oh. they disqualified me. Over the loudspeaker, it was like, uh, race three, heat nine, Daniel Collins disqualified. Wow. Over the loudspeaker. Anyways. It would have been incredible to say that, Dan. But this isn't about you. This is about Liz Palmoff. So let's get into it. Um, I want to know, can you remember your first car? What was your first car? Um, a Toyota Corolla. Colour? Like a baby blue. Oh, that's mm. pretty nice. Do you still have it? No. <laughs> we asked the first car question because Fleet Network powered mm. back chat. Um, we've had some disgusting cars. Was it a good car? Was it a favourite? Was it good memories? No, like it was great. First car. Safe. Bought it myself. Very proud. I called her Lola the Corolla. Mm. Had a name. Had a name. Wow. Um, Fluffy seats? Dice? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought. Come on, man. God, no. It's not the 70s. <laughs> yeah, that's a correct fact. Dice. Now, I want to talk about – look, I spoke off the top. You've, you've, had a, you've had a pretty incredible athletic career, to be really honest, and I want to go right back to the start. You weren't born in Australia. Mm-hmm. You moved to Australia when you were two years old. Mm-hmm. You come from an athletic family, mm. right? Can I read some of these to you, even though you know them and I think our listeners should know? Yeah, go on. Your dad was a pole vaulter. Your mum was a hurdler. Your grandma won a 400-metre bronze medal at the 1968 Mexico Olympic Games. Your grandfather was a hurdler at the 1964 Tokyo Olympic Games. Probably a bit of share some yep. with my hurdling ability. <laughs> Your aunt, Tatiana Grigorieva, not only did she win a silver medal at the pole vault in the 2000 Olympic Games, she was my proper crush when I, when I, I was about year six. she was everyone's crush. That's what I said. Dan was like, what do you mean? I was like, mate, 2000, like year six, year seven. Like Tatiana Grigorieva, holy moly. So she, <laughs> silver medal. 2000 Olympics. Like you're from sport. You are from sport. It's insane. It's crazy. I feel like I forget about it because it's just like my life. And then when I hear people rattle off these stats, I'm like, fucking hell. (laughs) It's just in the blood. But you missed out the last one. What's that? Tatiana's other achievement in 2008. She was on Australian Gladiators. Mm. That's maybe the coolest thing. Yeah, she was. The reboot. I think she was Olympia. Really? That was oh, her, like, stage good. name. That sort That's of fits, great. doesn't it? Yeah, it works. Very good. So, like, how, how far back do you remember? I know when you ask, like, kids, like, what do you remember when you – you know, I doubt you remember when you were two years old. But moving yeah. to Australia, like, what's that experience like? Don't remember. I've got, like, really bad memory. I feel like life-wise I remember, like, that 2000 Olympics 
kind of time and I was seven. Yes. But before that, like I don't know if I dropped on my head or something. Like I literally can't remember anything. <laughs> I mean, like, I think that's pretty fair. Like, yeah. You're not going to remember your childhood from six years old. No. So you grew up in Perth? No. So when we moved to Australia, we lived in Adelaide for a couple of years and then we moved to WA and we've stayed here ever since. Um, pole vaulting, when does that start in your life? So that literally started straight after the 2000 Olympics because my sister Vicky, who was also a pole vaulter, she was three years older than me and she we were both in the grandstand watching and she was like, oh, my God, Dad, like I want to try pole vault. Like I want to be like Auntie Tat. And so it just kind of happened. She went down, started pole vaulting with Dad and I was still quite young. I was seven, six and a half. And so I would just get dragged along and I'd play in the sandpit and just kind of muck around and then eventually I started to – get involved, do bits and bobs and I was good at it and that was it. So you were doing – were you nine when you started pole vault? Yeah. That's – I feel like that's early. It's really early. Like these days – How big is your, your pole? Oh, my God, like a toothpick. <laughs> so small. Like these days kids come to us – well, they come to start pole vault at like 12, 13 and that's like young. Yeah. And how high are you jumping at that age? Is it jumping? Um, Vaulting, yeah. sorry. Jumping, vaulting, same shit. Um, I think it was like two metres, like tiny, but still quite impressive for like a little person. And like, you know, like the action that pole vaulters do, like full bend back. Mm. Is that, are you doing that as a kid as well? No. So like when you were really young, like it's, you're literally just kind of like pulling yourself up and like flicking your legs over. Like it's, there's no technique involved. Right. It's more so just like the fear factor of like doing it and it's like, scary and you're so small and like it's hard to describe uh, have you have you like considered pole vault as a sport like how almost ridiculous it's it insane. is insane <laughs> it's crazy right yeah when you try to explain to people they're like what and i'm like yeah i know like i'm saying it back now and i'm like what the hell yeah so when you were 11 and 12 you had world bests at those age 315 mm. in 2005 and 364 in 2006 so you were mm-hmm. the best in the world as an 11 and 12 year old is that because awesome. you were the best in the world or is that because you're like the only 11-year-old who's pole vaulting? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Excuse I, you. No, wow. no, no, it's not meant to be that. I'm, 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 I'm serious. Is Like what's the competition like as a 11-year-old? Are you, are you travelling to compete in pole vault? Oh, God, no, no. So there was like a group of girls and it was me and this other girl, Annika Roloff, who's from Germany, and she kind of had the same upbringing as me. She started when she was really young and it would be like she'd get the record and then I'd get the record really? and then she'd get the record. Rivalry. And it would it kind of just went like that, like all the way through until we were like 15. Wow. Do you she, know her personally? Like Yeah, like I've met her so many times, yeah. Right. And does she keep competing into her later teens and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally saw her a couple of years ago competing. I'm not sure if she's still vaulting now, but same thing, just like a family in the sport. But like pole vault and track and field is huge in Europe. Like it's actually yeah, like in schools and it's really popular and there's funding behind it, whereas in Australia it's like you don't really get into pole vault. It's kind of like you have to be scouted. So, as a kid, so like where you are now, you finished your athletic career, and we'll, we'll move through it. But do you look back at your time as a youngster with like, f- like fondly, like, like mm. the competing and the oh my god, yeah. Do you, do you love like do you, do you love that from a young age? Yeah, loved it. Element? Like, I feel like I was so lucky to be born into such a sporting family, and like I got to travel the world when I was fourteen, and like 
hanging out with Steve Hooker and like all these incredible athletes and like that was just normal for me and I feel like when you're in that bubble you don't really appreciate it until you're a little bit older and you can look back and be like wow like what an amazing experience and like to do it with my family like even better. How hard are you training as a youngster? What sort of what sort of regime are you running as like a 11, 12, 13, 14 year old? Oh like just after school every day yeah and then on Saturdays. Coached by? Dad. How's that go? We were great. Yeah. Yeah. We're like literally the same person. So we're born on the same day. Wow. So weird. But like him and my sister would clash quite a bit. Whereas like me and dad, we just always kind of have this like understanding and we could communicate really well and yeah, it was awesome. How do you how do you train at that age for um, pole vaulting? Is, are you going to like a place every day after school or can you like do stuff at home? I don't, I don't know. I mean, when you're really, really young, it's like a little bit of running and pole vault. And then obviously when you get older, it's like, okay, you start doing strength and conditioning and gymnastics and like Pilates and yoga and all these other things. And I think that's why I loved pole vault and I was in it for so long is because like you pole vault twice a week and then every other day you're doing all this ancillary stuff. So it's like always changing. It's always exciting. It's not just like the same thing like running, like you don't just run every day. You don't just go down to the track and, and no. just j- jump. No, like vault there's vault. so many. And then like certain phases of training throughout the year is like more running intense and then there'll be like a more strength block and then it'll be a sprint block. So like it's always changing and evolving and so you never feel like you get bored of it. Yeah. The yeah. actual the actual sport like intrigues me. Like how does it work? For people who just you know might know what pole vault is and see someone running and put a stick down. Like what are the what are the rules? Like how does, how does it work? How does pole vaulting work? Oh, my God. So. Come on. You're the like expert. how deep are we going? As deep as you like. It's a podcast. I mean, so you – it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> what are the rules? Jump over the, jump over the thing. And I mean, yeah, to be <laughs> simple, like the rule is clear the bar. Yeah. But then if you break it down, it's like – you have a run-up of like a certain amount of steps and then you have like a takeoff position where you want to leave the ground, which is like optimal yes. to be in this kind of zone. Then obviously you have a specific pole, a flex, a weight of that pole. Do you just have one pole? No. So we like for a big competition, we'd probably travel with like 10. Wow. So you'd have like a handful for warm-ups or for training and then you'd have like a bigger selection for like competition. Because, like, I feel like if you don't understand the sport, aka me, or mm. and, and I'm an athletics fan, I would think, okay, just get a po- bigger pole. You want to jump higher? Just get a big, longer pole and just, like... Well, yeah, in theory, get a bigger right? pole, jump high. That's I'm assuming it, that's it, not how it works. No, it, it is. Like, a stiffer pole will obviously bend less, so it'll give you more right. energy to go higher. But to get to that point, you have to be faster you have to be stronger and you have to obviously be so much more fearless and confident and when you're on those big poles the margin of error is so much smaller because it's not as forgiving yeah Mm. are you trying are you trying to come in as fast as you can or is there like an optimal speed you're running there's an optimal speed so like you want to hit the peak of your run i think it's like about five meters out from the takeoff like the box and ta- so you're pretty much building, 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 holding so you can hit the takeoff position in a good kind of position with your body. Because if you're just sprinting into it, you're all over the mess. Yes. So it's a fine line between like pushing it 
and not overdoing it. Like there's just so many like Yeah, like what what makes what's what makes someone a good pole like what separates um you know your 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 national type level pole vaulter and the world's best? Like are they just stronger and faster or do they have better technique or do they have all of the above? All like, of the above. Is there something yeah. that like stands like the best in the, the very best in the world out from the others? I think like what made you the best? Technique is like super important because I feel like you either get it or you don't and you need it to be drilled into you from a young age because when you're young you're so fearless and you don't really, I don't know, it's just like comes natural. So once you learn that action and the technique and it just becomes like muscle memory, then it's easier to, you know, get stronger, get faster because the technique's just there. Like some jumps I'll do a jump, jumped back. When I jumped. Um, present. Yeah, present Jump. past same. Great. Um, and it's done and you're like, oh, what did I just do? But it was an amazing jump. So it's like your body just like knows what to do after years and years and years of like drilling really good technique. But then I suppose like the girls that are winning Olympic medals, like they are jacked. Like they are so strong. They're so fast. Like you need to literally have all the pieces of the puzzle. Yes. When um, I assume that you can't like fold the poles down, right? It's one. No. Yeah. So how are you traveling? Like, is it just like you get on off, off a plane, you have to go to a section. There's just like giant poles there waiting for you. Yeah. So it's gotten really hard over the years. Only certain planes will take the poles and they go where the baggage is. And it's obviously just like in its massive case. You can't fold pole them case. down. Yeah. Pole case. <laughs> pencil case. And then... <laughs> Oversized baggage, you pick them up from oversized baggage, you need to hire a car with roof racks. Like it's a whole fucking So you're driving around town and you got <laughs> poles hanging on top. Yeah. Like how long are they? Four and a half meters. Holy shit. Like they're not subtle. And then you're like walking through the airport trying to not like swipe people out. Like and everyone's just like pointing and looking. Oh, it's just like a nightmare. So do you, do you remember the first time you ever did it? Like do you remember the like what the feeling was when you or you know, you said that it's not the same as a real young level, but when you I guess how you would say like, you know, when you when you properly were pole vaulting, do you remember the feeling of like hitting it properly and like a good jump? Like do you remember that? Yeah, like it was just fun. I don't know. It just felt like second nature to me. I feel like it's the only thing I remember ever doing. So it's like huh. I just have such fond memories of it just being like so fun, so carefree, like with the fam. I don't know. People would look at it and think it's scary. Yeah, it, it like, and the older I got, the scarier it got because I would realize what's at risk and then injuries. And like, if I don't do this right, could break my leg again. Like, all these little things start creeping into your mind. And obviously, the older you get, you realize what comes with a long lasting injury and how that, how far that'll set you back. So, the mental side of things is almost more important than the physical attributes you present because if you're not mentally strong and you're not fearless, and like bold and courageous, like you're screwed. So how do you get yourself into a mental state to be able to pole vault well then mentally? See a psychologist a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you like, if you, you know, not that my background's athletics, but understand that mental element of competing, like how, how do you, like you can say psychologist, but like you, you must be highly strong mentally. Yeah. You must be mentally like Amazon woman type areas, <laughs> correct? Yeah, for sure. Serious question. Like, no. How do you get yourself in the competition mode? What do you used to do? Music? Is it like 
Is it is it like you know mindfulness techniques? Is it like what is it? How do you get yourself um, in the game mode? I guess for big competitions, obviously loved music. I loved kind of not talking to anyone and just like being in my own bubble. Everyone's different. Like some people just love to chat the whole time. Gossip. Whereas I'm just like leave me alone. Um, and then I feel like I always perform my best when I had fun and I just treated it like training because I feel as though the occasion of the competition will present itself naturally and you'll rise to the occasion if you just approach it like a training session, you're relaxed, enjoying it in the zone, it comes, it just works. Whereas if I ever went into a competition, I was like, right, today I have to jump this yes. to qualify for this. I need to hit this height. I would never jump well because I was thinking about the outcome rather than just enjoying the moment and yes. being like, I'm just going to stretch now. Yes. And then I'm going to go do some run throughs. Like really dumbing it down. As silly as it sounds, for me, I feel like that's just how it worked best. Did you use visual, visualization? I guess, see, yeah, like, did a bunch of that on and off. So I literally like, did everything. How's that work? You're literally like you're, um, think, you're thinking about how yeah. I'm going to clear that height. Yeah, so eyes closed. I'd usually do a few like as though I am looking at myself from behind right. and then a few of like – as though it's my point of view yes. and then a few from the side for like how we'd receive our video feedback of like how I'd want it to look. Right. On the runway? Yeah. Or is this pre? Are you like standing there, eyes shut? Like Yeah, sometimes like pre, like always pre yeah. and then sometimes on the runway. But yeah, it just, it cha- it just changes. But did you ever, were you ever the, the crowd clapper? Did you? <laughs> Tatiana was big on that. I, I feel sure like was. when I was younger, I was because I was like, yeah, like, come on, I'm so cool. And then the older <laughs> I got, if I'd clap, I'd just get like way too excited and then just like come charging in and just fuck everything up. <laughs> but you've done it. Like, yeah. Like, like, I've never done something like that to like anything I've done competition wise. I just compete and like the crowd's kind of there, but don't really interact. The fear would I, be like, they're mate, not I'm starting to clap. Correct. Is no, because they're always watching the pole vaulters. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna ask. Like, I love it. Start the start the these ones, and no, no one starts. <laughs> yeah, you just fade it back. Down. You're like, oh, psych. <laughs> <laughs> like that was. I, I don't know. That just seems cool to me. I'm genuinely like starting to clap up, and the rest of the cloud clapping with you. Like, it's insane. That would pump you up. Yeah. Yeah, and so like pump you up too much that you just go like berserk. Yeah. <laughs> so for me. Towards the end of my career, I was like, I can't be doing that because, like, it just throws all my processes out the window and I just turn into, like, a savage. <laughs> when um, I, I assume you know, when you're doing the action, it's hard to visualise how you're looking, so you must look at tape then to yeah. critique yourself. How easy is it to then change what you're doing? Like, okay, I leant back too far or whatever after looking at the tape. Is that an easy thing to do? To change or because I don't know it seems like it's such an obscure motion mm. to control your body to be able to do that yeah I feel like though uh once you've been doing it for years and years and years and it's just literally muscle memory like I can feel what I've done wrong without looking at the tape right but sometimes the tape is just like an, an extra bit of information to confirm how you felt like if I do an awful, awful jump, I'll just be like, I don't even need to look at it. Like I know what to fix. But then on some I'll be like, oh, it kind of felt good but like something was missing and then I'll check the tape and I'll be like, okay, that was it. Right. What are you talking to your coach about 
So in between jumps, I've always wanted this. Mm-hmm. Like high jumpers do it a bit, long jump, triple jumpers, but pole vaulters do it. It's almost like you're not allowed to talk to them, but like everyone kind of does. Like what information are you getting from your coach that's in the stands? Okay, so what are they saying? Usually it's always just like where did I take off? Like where was my foot on the takeoff position? So they're watching for a specific Yes. So we'll right. have like a marking on the side of the runway. And so like they'll be filming and you'll be able to see like where you hit that spot. And that will usually dictate how the rest of the jump will flow. Right. So they'll be either saying, gotta come back yeah, foot. Go back, move in. Huh. Right. That's the basic chat. Yes. Mm. Is it ever I don't know. Other is it ever something else? Trying to rev you up, trying to Oh yeah. I've gone over there and I'm like, oh, I like I want to go home. This is not working. And they're like, okay, just chill, breathe. We'll figure it out. Like, calm down. But it's usually pretty simple. Is is a rule you can't talk to your coach or something? I don't know. It sort of like looks like you're like sort of not meant to be talking, but you kind of all do it. Well, like- usually at the major competitions, there's like the music is so loud and you cannot hear each other. Right. So it might come across like we can't talk, but usually. And they're also sitting like a few metres away. And so like we're literally trying to scream at each other to like hear something or it's just like hand signals like this, that, up, down. And it's like... <laughs> when, when you're um, at the, the peak of your jump, is there much going through your mind or are you just like once you're up there, you're just in it, in yeah. the motion? In the motion. Yeah. Like I guess you can't change anything when you're that high, right? You're no, just... and honestly, like it happens like that. Like it's so fast. I feel like you can really feel what's happening coming off the floor. But then once you're off the floor, like the rest of those motions, they just fly by. So 2008, you clear four metres for the first time. Uh, You've just turned 14 years old. Mm -hmm. 2010, you debut international champs. Um, You win silver, Mm -hmm. correct? Com Games that same year. Um, You then become the youngest competitor in Olympic history to contest the women's pole vault at 18 years old mm. in 2012. One, does that record two stand, still stand, but two, which is incredible. Mm. Mm. Youngest ever. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, and like, what, is that intimidating? You're, 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 you're effectively a child, 18. You're not a child. You're, <laughs> oh, actually, you're, yeah. actually, you're actually effectively not a child. But I mean, 18 and the youngest ever, I mean, that's demonstrating that you're young. Terrifying. Is that scary? Terrifying. I was so scared. I. Performed so bad at that Olympics because I was just like, what is going on? Like, I cannot believe I'm here. Like, so overwhelmed, so, like, so much adrenaline, just, like, warming up next to Usain Bolt. Like, what? (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, mind was just all over the shop. But in saying that, the best experience of my life, like... This is London, right? Yeah, London, yeah, 2012. And it's very different to your other Olympic experience, which is Tokyo, which we'll get into. But 2012, you're 18, you're the youngest, but it must have been incredible. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Olympic Village, Olympic competition, like competing at the Olympics, like you're representing Australia in the Olympics. I mean... I know. That's crazy. Couldn't believe it. Walking out, like... You know, with the with Australia. Did you did you do the did you do the walkout? Some, some no, I did the closing. I yeah. didn't do the opening. Right. I think because it was like quite close to when I was competing. Yeah. So it was like stay in your hotel room vibes and yeah. chill. But I did the closing and then just like partied. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that Olympics, that competition in general, I think is like my fondest memory. Just the whole experience, like 
Tokyo was obviously a COVID games, so it was awful. Whereas like London was like the full package and it was in London and like it was the whole city was just a light. Did you say recently that the – I think the AOC um, has said that, that that athletes will be shipped out of the village as soon as their events are over? Saying that? No. Nah. Well, that, that's well, what there you ju- go. the last couple of days it came out and people are blowing up about it. How do you think about that as a past athlete? you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? I think that's so bad because I feel that's like – That's a part of it, right? Yes, like the whole Olympic ex- – it's an experience, the whole celebration. It's not just rock up, compete, go home. Like that's what we do for every other competition. Yes. Like you want to live in that moment and like have a few days before, have a week after to like enjoy it with your friends, enjoy it with your coaches, like – See some other sports, like it. Yeah, it drives me insane. I think it's such bullshit because it's a it's a it's a solo sport, right? Like mm-hmm. pole vaulting, athletes, athletics. It's solo. Does the Olympic Games feel like make it feel like a team? Like in that 100%. moment, does that feel like a team? Yeah, and it's like so fun for us, well, for individual athletes anyway, because it's like we get to hang out with the whole track and field team, and then you make friends with like swimmers and basketball players, and then. I don't know. It's just, it's a whole experience. It's not purely about your competition. Who's like I know it is the most important part, but who's the most famous person you met in the village? Like you saying, sounds um, like yeah. You're bumping into any genuine. I stars. was in a lift with Kobe Bryant. Holy sugars! Pretty good. I know. Wow. I was like, to say hello or not. No, 18 year I was old. Like, oh, <laughs> Hello, Mr. Bryant. We're Snapchat. Get my Snapchat. <laughs> oh, that would have been, is that even a thing? It's 2012? I think it was. Yeah, that was in its peak. Yeah, I swear Snapchat, it's dead now. Right. But. So, Kobe Bryant, wow. That's pretty good. So, the dream team was there, yeah. apparently. Wow, that's incredible. I know. I want to know more. What other stories? 2012, Olympics. Like, did you compete in the first week, second week? Athletes is second week. So you must have been second week, right? Yeah. I don't oh, – so long ago. I don't know. Ten years ago. More, yeah. 11. 11 years ago. Oh, my God. I'm so old. Was, <laughs> was there any um, – with the with – the, because I assume like with runners and stuff, you're doing the circuit around the world for you know, mm-hmm. national championships and stuff. Do you end up getting like rivals and stuff? Like at the Olympics, the biggest games, the, the biggest event – do you have like, I don't know, a bit of bad blood between athletes or is it, I don't know, it's, it looks like it's this like friendly place, but yeah. I don't know. No, everyone's so lovely. Like, I mean, girls can be bitches and like a bit of side eye here and there, but like off the track, everyone's just super lovely. And like you would have been with that same group of girls for the previous two months doing the European circuit before. So like everyone knows each other and like everyone's super friendly um. Yeah, so it's not overly. The Olympics is like the peak, right? So that's what you're aiming for. What what's what's athletics like when you're not the Olympics? Like, what what is being a solo athlete like? What's it like? I mean, it's you're not like, on the, you're not on the big bucks. God no. You're not you're not like it's a solo sport. You're not you're not leaning on your teammates get you through. Like it is solo. You're on the road. It's brutal and mm. very lonely. Um. I think it's something you need to be like obsessed with because like it's so much time on your own and it's like aeroplane, hotel, track, hotel, aeroplane and just that on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And it's like it's very isolating. 
So, yeah, you need to be obsessed with it. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. Are you competing every weekend when you're on the circuit? Is it like that sort of repeat? Pretty much, yeah, every weekend. So it's like compete on like a Saturday and then recover for a few days, do a couple of training sessions and then do it again. Is that for like cash? Is that for like what do you get if you like – like is it for – are you just like, like ranking? Or yeah, like – Everything really. It's like – Like do you get prize money if you win those events? Yeah, like? yep. so you get – sometimes you get an appearance fee and then you'll get prize money for finishing within a top whatever. Right. Um, but it's more so for – I mean, for us flying overseas and competing, it's the exposure of competing with like big names and how that feels and like handling that kind of pressure because we're so isolated in Australia. Like you don't really have many people and no one comes here, so we have to go there. Um, And it's just the experience. It's trying to get personal bests um, and improving your ranking. How do you fund it? Do you have to have a job? You have to have a job at the same time. So you got a job in – Literally oh. worked like part-time. When I was like a junior, junior, like 18, 19, 20, yeah. I didn't work. I had like a good deal with a shoe company. Shout so out. Shout out. Someone. No, they're not getting shout <laughs> out. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, good. Yeah. Continue. So a <laughs> few years there I didn't work and was just like – living the best life ever just like training coffee lunch training coffee lunch <laughs> every day and then i went through all that cash and then i was like okay like i moved out of home i need to get a job so i pretty much worked part-time through my whole career what what doing what i did everything so like worked at a cafe for a bit worked um at a gym for a bit then I worked at a community newspaper, the Fremantle Herald, for a while. Kind of built my way up through that company and then worked at Street X. Because like a, it's not an untold story but I think it's like an underappreciated thing that you see, these, you see the sports, especially team sports, that are on TV every week and there's money, right? There's, mm. there's money. Get paid well as a professional athlete. You're 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 an amateur basically. Mm-hmm. Competing in the Olympics, like you have to be. So it's like an untold story about how hard it is financially, right? Yeah, I feel like because you got to train just as hard as yeah me or any, anyone else. You're training just as hard, probably harder. It's infuriating. Sorry, people like you. <laughs> you like trying to shed light on your plight. No, here. no, but it's like it's so hard because I think. When you're an Olympian or you go to the Olympics, it's like so glamorized and like it looks so cool. But it's like unless you're winning medals or you're like ranked in the top 10, 15 in the world, like you have to work. Mm. Did you have to do much promo stuff, you know, leading up to that first Olympics? You you know, they would have known you're the youngest to to ever do that, to do polo. Like did you have to do like a lot of PR stuff leading up to that? Did you get – you know, is that a way to get money? I mean, yeah, you definitely can. So how old was I then? I was 18. 2012. Yeah, so I I don't recall really doing too much. I think it was kind of coming to its time. And also I was like a very like sheltered younger girl. Like I just trained and sat at home and like whatever. I think I really flourished a few years later where I got my confidence to like speak and whatever. But I had – I remember doing stuff with like my shoe company and then I guess for Athletics Australia but there was 
none of this like really selling myself to like get an extra buck. I feel like that whole social media side of things came a little bit later. Hmm. How'd you go in 2012 Olympics? So bad. <laughs> Jumped so bad. Did you? Yeah. What, was, what did you regret about it? Did you look back on it with regret or was it all you know, or both? I mean, I think like I'm a strong believer in like it happens the way it should. Hmm. I mean – I would have loved to have jumped a little bit better, but it's still one of the most fondest memories I have. So, so 2012 Olympics happened. You're the youngest to ever have done it. Uh, 14, you win a national title. 16, you win a national title. 16 Rio Olympics is upcoming. What happens? Mm, I broke my leg. How? Um, it was it was a few weeks after nationals. That you'd won. Yep, so had like a week or two off and got back into training, was feeling good, like full steam ahead for Rio. And then I was at training and I had an accident where I didn't put the pole in the box correctly and I went to jump up, like just autopilot. And I obviously wasn't going up because the pole wasn't going to bend and so I kind of went crashing into the box and landed with my knee, like my ankle, like up near my ear and shattered the top of my tibia in my patella, like right. in my knee. So I broke my leg. Um, yeah, it was so bad. Painful? <laughs> yeah, so painful. Sounds painful. I think what was – because I think I was in shock and I was just like screaming and then I think what freaked me out was the fact that like my dad and my assistant coach at the time, like their faces were just like grey, like – they were just like, oh, my God. Like they – I didn't really think it was that bad but I think their reaction to it, I was like, oh, I'm done here. Like this is not good. Was it visibly snapped? No. So like not nothing – like no skin, nothing, no blood no. but like my knee just like blew up to like the size of my head in like 10 minutes. Right. So how far out from the Olympic Games are you? Had you qualified? No, I hadn't qualified yet. This was I this was the end of April and Olympics are usually like June, July. Were you I mean, had you been jumping the heights required to Yeah, like I was tracking all good, like it was part of the plan and then it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah. Is that the worst injury you've mm. you've done? I've had so many things, like so many hamstring tears, quad tears, ankles, like but that was just like hell. That was like a year recovery. And you miss the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So how do you look back on that? Is that is that opportunity missed? Like, I mean, it's different to missing a game in footy. Yeah. You got one, one in every four years. How do you reflect back on breaking your leg that year? You're clearly in good form. Yeah, I feel like, oh, my God, I don't know why. I feel like I'm going to get emotional. Please don't. No, I won't. You can. It's all good. It's like I don't really talk about it. I don't it. mind. <laughs> No, I just feel like looking back now, obviously, I've retired and so I have a bit of like clarity and like hindsight. Um, And I feel as though that 2016, 17, 18, like those few years were like so crucial to me because I was like coming into being a woman and not like a junior and I was – transitioning well into the open scene of a pole vault Mm. and so I just think that that injury and that setback just really hindered a few of my like super crucial development years but like can't change it no 
just is what it is. Yeah, do you do you do you get to like where you are right now? So you've retired. Are, are you able to look back and be like, you know, I know, I know it's cliche, but like, what well, doesn't like kill you makes you stronger kind of thing. Like, like life's hard sometimes. And, yeah. And like, can you do that? Or is it is it hard to look back and be like, just an opportunity gone, won't get back. I mean, it definitely like opened my eyes a lot to what I wanted in the sport and the way that I approached the sport, I think it was kind of like a slap in the face and it was like, okay, I could lose this all so fast and I love it so much. Like I need to kind of change my mindset and attitude. So it definitely helped me grow as a person and as an athlete, but still obviously like just so unfortunate. Frustrating, right? So bad. So that like those injuries you speak about, your hamstrings, your quaddies, breaking your leg, like it's it's a it's a physical sport. Mm. Like and then combine that with the solo nature of the mindset stuff. Like I, I just I feel like you've like not picked, but like you've you've played and like competed in like a bloody hard I sport, know. right? Like can you can you look back on that in a positive? Like what you've been able to do f- since you were you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. And, and to like go to two Olympics. Um, yeah, okay, you missed Rio, but like there's a lot of positives too and you're like able to get through an epic sport. Yeah, I, I know. Like it's amazing and mm. I feel like I don't know if you're the same but I don't often sit back and think like, oh, I'm so – like I did such a good job or like – But you did. I'm such a legend. But, but it's you like are. having these conversations where it's like, oh, wow, like I did some pretty cool stuff and – Did you – Did you, is that because you like – you're doing it and you're in it. So you don't – you're not like thinking, oh, like, oh, how epic. Like you're just doing it. Like, yeah, I'm just I need like, to get my run up right and I need yeah, to, you know. Literally. Yeah, And you've got to be so in the moment to actually compete at, in this event. Yeah, and then I also just feel like – I don't know if this is the way that I'm just wired but it's like on to the next thing. It's like, okay, that's done. What's next? Like got to keep moving forward. Can't kind of sit in the past and dwell about things that did or didn't work. So – I can definitely get better at kind of looking back and having some fond memories, but you can just come in a back chat and talk about them, and we'll just like uh, we get through them. We talk about them. We get a bit emotional, and then we back chat therapy. Honestly, yeah. God, it's good. When when that injury happened, did did you get support from other um, like pole vaulters that you would compete against? Because like it is, everyone would feel that sort of lonely thing mm. about it. It's not a team, but. There must be a bit of a community oh, around yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No, everyone was super supportive. I had like other members of my training group come and visit me in hospital and it was like really, really nice. Um, but obviously very mentally horrid. Like I had some very horrible times where I like wouldn't eat, wouldn't get out of bed. I had to move back home to my mom and dad's house because I was just like couldn't do anything for myself. Like couldn't have a shower, couldn't get a glass of water, like – Literally became a little baby again. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Is it the mental element over physical? Definitely. What? Yeah. 100%. Like. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. But you could have finished there, you realise. You could have just stopped. I know. Right? I thought about it. So 2016, mm. break your leg. Your dream's over. You could have, I would say, high percentage of people, including me, including Dan, might be time to finish pole vaulting. But you mm. continue on. You mm. get yourself back. 
2019, you start throwing out PBs again. So you're getting better than when you were 2016. Yeah. And then you qualify for Tokyo 2020. Yeah. Long while between drinks. It was. Right? But, I mean, God, that's got to be a positive reflection. Yeah, no. So 100%. Like I feel like coming back from that injury, as soon as I could get moving again, I just had this fire within myself to just like – come back better than ever, like be disciplined and push my body harder than I ever have before. I think because it was taken away from me, Mm. you really realise what stuff means to you and how important it is and how much I really love the sport and at the time felt like I couldn't live without it. Um, And so, yeah, it was full steam ahead, jumped to PB in 2019, went to Tokyo. Wait, stop. What did that feel like, like PB? That must have been... Oh, it was so good. Because you hadn't done one for ages. I hadn't done one for like years and years and years. And I was just like, oh, my God. It was just the best. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Did it, do you? Yeah. Because you're saying you can't remember stuff, but you remember that I know, but now that we're talking about it, you're like unlocking these parts that I've locked (laughs) away. Yeah, it's almost like I know what I'm doing here. (laughs) How how different? No, I want to know about this. I want to know what. Yeah, I just want to know about the the PB. Like how, how big of a jump is it? Like difference. I think – what did I improve my PB by? Well, you're 4.6. Yeah, I, th- I think before four, that four my best six. was 451. Right, so, so it's like – like a decent – It's like that much, so I'm, I'm holding it up in my fingers. Yeah. It, it doesn't – I don't know, it sounds stupid. But it, it doesn't sound like a, a huge jump, but obviously like – Yeah, like it, you improve your PB by like a couple of centimetres a season and you're like, yeah, yes, like this so is good. it. And wow. so I felt like super proud. I felt like I could have jumped higher – but after that, it was just like injuries, Tokyo, COVID, like so many things changed and I was just over it. Yeah, well, but just hang on. Just yeah, sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. We're going way straight. too fast. Just, no, I'm not. I've been positive straight. Like you, you do PB, mm-hmm. Townsville, 2019. Tokyo at this stage is happening. We don't know what COVID is at this stage. So, I mean, oh, what a wonderful experience that was for <laughs> all, the, all the world. Um, so... So I'm, I'm assuming you qualify for Tokyo 2020 mm-hmm. and at that stage, like, it's all good. Like, you just, you know, the Olympics are happening in 2020. Yeah, so right? at that stage it was like, it's all happening. So it's the Olympics. It's yeah, like. Like it's happened for the last 100 years. Yeah, like the training schedule stays the same. Yep. Same kind of training blocks. Felt good. Felt like could be the games where could do something. Mm. And then COVID said, so- hey. So what's that experience like? Because like speaking of indies, indies a cyclist. Mm-hmm. Indy, I was like, what would like Dan asked like, what would it mean like changing the Olympics like from one year to another? And Indy was like, if they change it by one week, it would affect people. Oh my god, yeah. So like, I, I'm assuming like moving yes. from like one year to another, like you, you're a different athlete. And right? so much can happen in a year, right? Mm. And I felt like I was just like on this upward trajectory, and I'm like a freak of like routine and like knowing what's happening and what's coming next and the fact that that got shook up for me and there was this unknown of like, okay, stay home, we'll drop off some gym gear, you can do gym at home and I'm like, but I need my gym coach to look at every single rep. Like I can't train unless I'm with my coach. Did you have somewhere you could jump in all seriousness? Like did you like put a mat out the back of the house and start – 
running down the hallway. Couldn't jump. We managed to eventually get access to like train at the stadium, like one-on-one with a coach on our own. But he would have to be like wearing a mask and be on at the grandstand and then we would be like it was just insane. <laughs> yes. But we were outside <laughs> but still like. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. No. So, like, I mean, it's just fun. It's not even funny. But it's I'm not laughing. funny, but like, you laugh or you cry, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct right. So, they move the games. You get some confirmation. You get a lead up to it. What, what's the games like? What's the Tokyo games like, 2021, compared to 2012? So shit. <laughs> Cardboard beds. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah, you've already been swearing, but no, you're, fuck allowed. It. <laughs> you're allowed to swear. What was so bad about it? All of it. It was all just so bad. With the bed with the beds as advertised, like genuine cardboard. Literal cardboard. Holy like our apartment was a cardboard room too. was like pretty much cardboard. <laughs> like it was lit- just like plaster. The walls weren't even finished. There was like wires running through everything. It looked like they'd gotten sheets of like that. A chip rock. Yes. Yeah. And just like Nail gunned. Nail gunned. <laughs> slats. And that was it. We had, there were six of us. One, two. Yeah. No, there were seven of us in one apartment with one bathroom. What? A mini fridge. No TV, no couch. Um, the beds were like. Sounds like prison. It literally was. Like I'm not <laughs> well, it's joking. it's not literally prison. <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> it felt like. Seven people with a mini bar and one bathroom. <laughs> I mean, like, and like we're talking Japanese bathrooms, the ones where like they plonk a room inside, and it's like I'm hitting my head on the roof of the shower <laughs> with no ventilator, like no wind. Like it was disgusting. Wow. I'm a so of- sorry to the AOC, but like it was just so bad. <laughs> a lot of people. Um, I, like we're talking about the fire festival, it being like similar to that mm. in that you know you go to this, you go there, and it's like a, it's just like a tent with like a, a mattress with wrapped in plastic, and they're like, this is your deluxe room, essentially. Fire festival. This is your deluxe king. And the, and what the wasn't like the food, wasn't that like really awful? Like a piece of bread with like a plastic cheese on it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you compete? Better than I did in. London, which is great, but in my part of the qualifying, the rain came. And so I got rained out on my last attempt. So I didn't qualify for the final, but I cleared some bars, which was better than London. So, like, it was an improvement, but still, like, very much underdone, very disappointed. They, like, stopped the competition after my jumps because it started pissing down so bad but they made me jump Mm. and then everyone got pulled off the track they waited like an hour or so until the rain stopped they cleaned up all the rain everyone dried off and then they continued the qualifying and I was like but I had to jump in the rain and you stopped like is there some sort of like uh appeal process well I went to appeal like I went to the manager of like the athletics team to appeal And then they came back and said, because you've left the field of play, like you've removed yourself, so we can't appeal it. Oh, my god! And I'm like, Well, in case you went and like put flubber in your shoes. You can't appeal it or you just can't be bothered. Like which one is it? (laughs) But 
What could have you gone and done to give you an unfair advantage from leaving the field? Go and like have a shot of something, or like you, you probably do a fair bit. I, I yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you could probably so do drums. pretty much. Oh, and mate, so you can do anything you like if you're not in the field of play. Like, yeah, no like, one's looking at you. Like you can't do it in AFL either. Like, like I walked out. Went through press conference, like exit, and then like walked around the whole stadium on my own until I went to the managers. And so like by then, like I'd cooled down, like so much time had passed. There was no way I would have been able to go out there and jump anyway because I was like distraught. But that's sport for you. It is fucking brutal more times than it is rewarding. It's sick. Is that your overall reflections? 100%. Like You're retired now. Yeah, no, but even when I was in it, like the amount of times you have like a personal best or like you perform really well at a competition, there are so many more times around that where it's like injury, heartbreak, setbacks, like all these things and the resilience. You have to be so mentally strong to like remember why you're doing it and why you're putting yourself through the pain. So why did you do it? Because I loved it. Why? I don't know why. What did you love about it? I loved the way it made me feel. I loved that when I, I think it was like this sick, twisted addiction I had where it was like I'd be feeling like crap, I'd be injured, the world's going to end. And then having the power within me to push through those dark thoughts, get back to training and then perform well gave me like such a high that it was like, oh, okay, like I can do all those things I didn't think I could. And so then you just feel that cycle again and then it just keeps going and going and then you have another setback and then you do it again and it's such a head. Fuck. Yeah. So you're chasing that high though. Yeah. Chasing that like feeling of, maxing your body out and doing something you didn't think you could do and then when you do it you're just like oh my god like this feels so good so you realize how positive that is like you like if you want to admit yourself like what you've been able to do over a long period of time in the sports and pretty incredible welcome to back chat therapy (laughs) thank you you've done well mate (laughs) thanks it's been impressive (laughs) upon retirement you retire at 28 it's a young retirement not not as not as an athlete. I'm just saying, it's, you know, not many people get to retire at 28 from something they do. Do you reckon that's young? I retired at 30. It's young too. Yeah, but you're a guy. That's all right. It's I feel different. like it's different for women. Why? Because we have to have babies. We have a body clock. Okay. Mm. That's, so that's a fair point. It is I different. retired from Happy basketball. Um, <laughs> to have a baby? No, I snapped my ankle. Oh, sorry. And then um, I, couldn't, I couldn't get couldn't back. Couldn't have the baby. So... <laughs> No, it's right. It was just work, leisure centre right. degrade. It was like there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, so. What was the major reason for retirement? It's done? No, I definitely f- – so after Tokyo, I like took some time off and came back and I was like, yep, I'm ready. Let's do this again. Like I've got it in me. I'm going to keep fighting. Another Olympics. Like I was certain. And then it just kind of got to this point where – So my whole life, right, it had been go to work and just dying for work to finish to get to training. I just want to get out of there. I want to go do my thing. And then I got to the point after Tokyo where I was at work and I was loving work and I was like, oh, I can't be bothered going to training. Like I want to stay at work. And then I was like, hang on, why is this happening? Like why am I feeling this way? Like this is not me. 
So then it just kind of like I started like seeing another psychologist that was like external to the sport institute and just like wanted to bounce ideas off of someone else. Like what's going on? Like this is my life. This is my story. This is where I'm at. Like help me understand these feelings. And I just lost that like passion and drive and that desire to do everything at 110% and the commitment. Like I just didn't have that anymore. And I just felt like I'm not going to stay in something and give all this time to something if I'm not giving it everything I have. You couldn't, right? No. I feel like it's a sort of sport. If you're not at 100%, no. you might as well. Exactly. Be done. Yeah. So that was it. So you're happy? You're I'm ha- so happy. Yeah. Mm. So good. happy. It what was really you- scary, like going through that because I had like identity crisis and I was like I'm a pole vaulter though like if I'm not a pole vaulter what's everyone going to think of me like mm. that's who I am and so there was so much like digging through all that baggage to like <laughs> come to terms with who I am and what I do and the person I am and yeah I feel like coming to that decision has honestly just been such a not a weight off my shoulders but like I just feel so free now and like I can just do whatever I want and I don't have to answer to anyone and I get to live life by my terms. Sounds awesome. It's pre- really exciting. Preaching to the converted right here. With similar feelings when yeah. I'm tired to be really honest. With um, like a footy player retiring, he can go down to the park and kick a ball or a basketball player can just go shoot hoops but like there'll be a – there would have been a, a, a vault that would have been your absolute last time you've ever done mm. it, right? You can't just go do it for fun. Or can you? Like, would you? No. You can't. You just injure yourself. Yeah. So it's just something that you'll never, ever do again. I know. It's pretty wild. That's crazy. Hmm. It's very crazy. So what are you doing now for work? Makes you so happy. I work at Street X in the marketing department. Yep. So that's me full time. Is that what that shirt is? Sure is. <laughs> Your idea, that one? Obviously. Um, <laughs> now, now, I've left it a bit. I think you got a question about Liz's career? Covered a lot of it. It's been good. Um, I'm a massive Very athletics fan, so I've enjoyed it. I think you picked the hardest possible yeah, sport. I don't, yeah. yeah. Like, is there a harder field event? Probably no. not. Maybe no. No, there's not. Because, like, I feel like pole vault's everything. It's like... Strong, fast, aerodynamic, fearless. Yeah. Bit like tapped in the head. Like there's just <laughs> so many levels to it. So how did all of that, your time and the things you learned on the track, in training, the mental capacity, how did that translate to winning bloody Survivor, mate? <laughs> Holy shit. You're a Survivor winner. I'll tell you fucking I what. I know. Do you, did you, you were old enough to watch the first ever Survivor. Did yeah. You, did you watch the first ever? So I watched the first ever Survivor and like like incredible. Loved it. And so ever since I watched that, wanted to be on Survivor. Mm-hmm. You've been on Survivor. Not only have you been on Survivor, if I went on Survivor, I'd get kicked off after three days. I'd piss someone off and they'd get me out. <laughs> you've been on Survivor and you've won. I know. Holy shit. I can't. How's that feel? <laughs> Holy Fucking <shit>. insane. <laughs> I literally still can't wrap my head around it. Like – how did I do that? Like I'm a glamour puss. Like I don't do camping. 
<laughs> Clearly I do now. But You're a camper. I honestly feel like it was everything I'd ever learned in pole vault that got me to win. Like this sounds so insane, but I feel like Survivor was like my moment that I never got to have with pole vault. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Because I never felt like in pole vault I reached my potential. I never felt that I maxed out. Whereas with Survivor it was like I had to use every single thing I'd ever learned, like all of my resilience, all of my like training mentally, physically, like the social aspect, like all of it just went into Survivor and it just worked like naturally. I've got so many questions. Mm. Do you feel like that sort of filled a little 2016 hole? 100%. That's cool. Yeah. I'm So how do you prepare for Survivor? Like how, how, do you, how do you prepare? What are you doing when you get cold up Survivor? You're out like working out, jumping some, doing no, some vaults. absolutely Learning not. how to make fire. <laughs> no, did none of that. I was on a girl's trip in London mm-hmm. on a holiday <laughs> and then left straight from London after a week of partying to go straight to Samoa to film. Wow. So I was just like, really want to do this. I really want to do Survivor. I'm like, got the time now, like, let's do it. And I think because I had freshly stopped pole vaulting, I just had so much going on that I was like so busy and excited and just like doing all these things I wasn't ever able to do. And I said yes to Survivor, but I'd had a Europe trip already planned and I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Europe for as long as I can and then I'll go straight there. So I did that Um, and then rocked up on Survivor and then... How many days do you have to be prepared to... Like how many days were you... Filming or like on the island? Um, so in total, it was like a week before shooting started for like COVID lockdown vibe. And then five days after. So 47 plus seven plus five. Like almost 60 days. 62. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> so. A lot. Okay. Two months. So, you know, okay yeah. so you do no preparation. Do you have a plan going in? You've uh-huh. watched, but you said you'd watch Survivor. Yeah, okay. So my plan was um, be me, yeah. tick. And then I wanted to, like I'm an introverted extrovert. Like I have my friends. I don't care to make new ones. And so going on Survivor, I was like, I have to not be a bitch. Like I have to be nice to people <laughs> and like get to know people and like engage so that was my number one thing. And then my other thing was don't come on too strong in the challenges. Like because if you come on like too much of a physical threat, they'll just get rid of you. Right. And I didn't want to tell them that I was an Olympian. I wanted to lie and say I just worked in marketing but I have Olympic rings tattooed on my thigh. And so wearing <laughs> a bikini every day, I wasn't going to be able to get away with that. Wow. So I like kind of dumbed down that I was like, Hadn't pole-wilded in ages and I was just like chilling and one of the girls <laughs> and then just fucking came out guns blazing when I had to. Did you ever think, did you ever think of like a cover story? Like yeah, well, another, I was just, a different story? Why love the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, no. Like, Olympic. <laughs> My auntie competed in the Sydney to I mean Olympics. I could have. But then like imagine if someone recognised me. Yeah, then you'd You're be a liar. liar. Exactly. So like mm. you're screwed. Wow. What's it first? It's like the first day. Are you shit? Are you like, oh my god, we're gonna? You're making your own fire. Like, is it real? Is it the <laughs> No, real? it is a million times worse than what it looks like. Worse. 
What, I, like, I figured there'd be like camera crew being like, ah, oh, is 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 the, the lighter? It's a clicker. No, no. Like I cried and begged to production to give me food. Like I cried every day. I was so hungry. <laughs> and what do they say? No, you can't they literally it. just buy you. They're like, don't you can't talk to me. And you're asking them for and food. And I'm like, I'm so hungry. Like, fucking help us. Like. <laughs> The wood's wet. We can't start a fire. We can't cook anything. Like, do you want us to die? <laughs> and they're just like. Yes, that would be good viewing actually. Would one of you please just like get closer towards that? Like we didn't eat for the first four or five days because we it was nonstop rain and we couldn't get a fire going so we couldn't cook our rice. So there's no food? Nothing but coconut. And if you eat too many coconuts, it's a laxative. Oh boy. So. And you got nothing in your stomach. Nothing but water. Is there like someone trying to catch fish? Yeah, but the fish were like tiny. We were in a weird area where there wasn't like proper fish. The right. crabs were also like tiny. So there was literally the only thing we could forage was coconuts. I'm going to act like a real like – I didn't I didn't see – I didn't watch this series mm. other than I saw you win. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So like like I said, five days, no food. Um, and you're trying to be nice to people. Oh. Do you get people. hangry? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> like just to imagine you being like, be nice, be nice. Oh, <laughs> I was just like removing myself from every situation that I could. But if you had have watched it, you would have seen um, that I just have like a constant resting bitch face and just like side eye and, and like just my body language was filthy all the time because I was just like trying to get food hanging off on the by fibre. <laughs> so. I know you made a bit of an alignment. Was that a plan or did that just come about? You had a bit of a, no, bit of a crew? That was natural because I went on, I didn't really, like I recognised a few people that were returning players but I didn't pre-game. Like a lot of other people like call up ex-players and be like, are you on this season? Let's work together. I was just like, I'm just going to roll in Pre-plan. and just like chill. Yeah. I know it's fucking, it's that really like that's like against Yeah, the it's rules. cheating. Yeah, I feel like it's not right. Doesn't matter now. But I just, so. I know. <laughs> like, whatever. Call who you want. Yeah. <laughs> you just make them do whatever calling, you want. They'll be calling you. <laughs> they will. Would you do it again? For the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> they must. They, would they pay the the returning people? Yeah. They'll be paying good, I reckon. So, how much weight did you lose over that time? Like, if not eighty. About you... ten kilos. Wow. And I'm like not. I a... was gonna. That's what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> By the end, like. All of my bones, like it got to the point where like, you know, when you see really skinny people and like their heads look really big on their body, like I started to look like that. Wow. And like every Mm -hmm. rib, like every single muscle, like I had like a raging eight pack by the end just because like all the fat had fallen off me. That's what we need to do for fat chat. <laughs> yeah, Dan lost 10 kilos, but I don't say wow for him. I'm like, wow. Yeah, wow. well, I've still got a lot just to go. Stop eating. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what rice. I did. Go to Samoa and just like <laughs> make sure you're there when it rains. When um, you said that you didn't want to be a challenge threat early, so were you throwing, like you're getting to the point where you're just like, I have to bail out, otherwise they're going to think I'm good? Yeah, there was definitely challenges where I would like r- assess the room and the challenge and if it didn't look or feel like something I would win at – I wouldn't push 100% because, A, I want to, like, preserve my energy because, like, we're doing challenges every day and they're, like, so exhausting because you're not then replenishing correctly. But then if I saw one that I was like, okay, this is made for me, then I'd be, like, going for it. 
That would have been tough being a competitive person to not try to win. I know. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, it was so I feel hard. like you and I have similar minds. But then like at the start when it was like all the challenges were as a team, my team had way less muscle power. Like the other team had like all these AFL players and like surf lifeguards and then we had like two guys in me. So I had to do like all the men's work, like carrying the damn team. <laughs> Did so you, it was easy for me to kind of fly under the radar there because I was an asset. Do you have any close calls getting voted out? No. Do you think you were getting voted out? Or anything? I only got two votes the whole game. Wow. wow. I was wild. this close to getting a like clean. Has anyone done that? The no, no vote? I don't think so. Two would be up there with the with the least ever. I know. So coming into the final four or five, one of you guys was George, right? And you had someone else. Sorry, I'm not the biggest. Shawnee. Shawnee. Shawnee was gone and by then, then. Yeah, but then there was a couple of other guys still in that final four. It was you, George, and two other Me, guys. Me, George, Matt, and Jerry. If you didn't win that, you would have been voted out, right? That, yeah. That final four, that four, yeah. four to go. So what was the challenge? And did you know you had to win it to stay in? Yeah, I knew for certain that if I didn't win it, I was done because like those three boys were like super close and they kept on always saying like, we'll take each other to the end and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, my God, like here we go. And yeah, went into that final challenge and what it was, was it? standing on um, a little like thing of wood, like about that thick. Like uh, a ruler. Yeah. A ruler. ruler. Yeah, ruler. And 30 centimeter ruler. You either had to have, you, you had to have a part of your, both feet on at all times. So whether you went from toes to heels or like kind of slide, but it was like always had to have both feet in contact. And then you had like a cross behind you where you had to have your hands on this piece of wood at all times. And then as time progressed, the host would spin this crank where these four spears would come out into your back. What? (laughs) Torture? No, like the last challenges are always like a torture thing because it's like pushing your brain to the limit. And so by the end, I was like a contortionist. How how long were we up there for? Four hour, just over four hours. Holy oh shit. This sounds like, without saying it, this sounds like this was made for you though. Like, it, what, like when I walked out, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so did you think you were going to win it as soon as you saw it? Yeah. And like Dan, they brought our families to the last challenge. And so Daniel came and he, he was like, he, he was like, that. as soon as I saw it, I just knew it was yours. And I was That's like, cool. yes. That's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, that would have been emotional. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So bad. <laughs> so blubbering they, mess. Do they bring him, him and their other families out before the challenge, and they're there for the challenge? Is yeah, that what so they're there watching. I know it was because George had obviously done it before, so he was like, "I think it's today. I think it's today that they come out." And I was like, "I'm literally going to die. Like, I'm not okay." <laughs> and we're standing there, and Jonathan, the host, he's like, "Okay, so like this is today's challenge," and he's like doing his usual stuff, and then he's like, "I'll give you a minute to strategize before we start," and we're like, "Oh." Okay, it's not happening. And then he was like, but wait. Yes. Who do you want to see? Like, who do you miss the most today, Liz? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like howling. And then like Daniel appears from like over this Samoan cliff face. And it was just like the waves are crashing. And I'm like running over to him, trying not to slip on the rocks. It was so beautiful. It was just the best. So, so then oh, I'm just imagining from his point of view, like watching you in a like like a fight to the death, like genuine like you can't torture do chamber, like knowing what was at stake. 
That, I know. That's amazing. It was really special. And then you won. We we able to tell him like if I don't win this, I'm gone. Or yeah. So we had like a few minutes to chat, and I was just like, okay, this is the sitch. Like, I have to win this. And he was like, yep, all good. Like <laughs> he knew that it was made for me once we saw what it was. And he was like, it's fine. Just relax, stay focused, like just Coach. go into the zone. And I was like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was, they were like sitting there and they were allowed to cheer and you were allowed to talk to them because they were like just on a bench a few metres away from where we were like on the cross. Wow. And so all the other contestants are like, what's been happening at home? And I was just like, I cannot get into this conversation right now. So I was just like standing there like a mute. And then Daniel would just be like, if I was in a point of pain, like I wouldn't say anything. I would just like look at Daniel and he would just be like, no, like you're not getting down. And I'd be like, oh my God, okay, like. That's it was so, so good. good. Yeah. That's so good. That's like I'm getting like little yeah. chills here. You need That's, to watch the last episode. Yeah. I'm gonna have yeah. to now. Yeah, Not because Dan's on there though. I can tell it's better here. Um, but like, <laughs> I want to see you dominate these guys. I'm it's like relatively late at night. I'm genuinely gonna go and watch the last three episodes. Great. So good. Um, I know on the final challenge, a lot of people would go to the like they start to try and just convince others like mm. take take me like I'll I'll get off now like just take me. Was that going on at the same time? I haven't, no, I haven't seen it. No, 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 it wasn't. So I was the one telling the host to crank the thing harder and faster because I was like, I don't want to stand up here for six hours. Like some of them go for six hours and we were on this cliff face where the waves were so high they were smashing into us and the wind was like ice. So I was like so cold. I was shaking, soaked with like freezing cold water with the wind hitting and I was like, can you just crank it all the way to the end? And he was like, okay, because I knew in my mind if we got to the end, I would last longer than the others. So there was me and one guy left and I wasn't talking to him. And then he, his foot slipped because we were soaked. His foot slipped and he just like fell to the ground in a heap. And I was just like, oh, my God, I've just won. Were you close <laughs> to giving up? No way. Like I started <laughs> to shake. And I started to feel like I was going to be sick. I don't know if it was just from like standing there for so long and like dehydration Probably. and just all of it. Like I felt like I was starting to like You'd my lost body was ten kilos. Yeah, in the island for forty days, eating ninety coconuts a day. Mm. And then you do win at the vote as well. So and yeah. you get it done, and you win Survivor. Mm. That's pretty cool. Like without knowing any, I actually genuinely haven't watched. Genuinely don't know anything about it. But when you're telling your stuff about pole vault, I know that you've won Survivor. Literally, what I was thinking was, this must feel like a, like a, like a, like a cherry on, not a cherry on top. It's like an accomplishment. It yes. must feel like, not that you haven't done anything with Polvar. I mean, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You're not, you don't seem to like you've fucking done a lot, but like, that's like you beat people at something like and just dominated. It must mm. feel amazing. It feels incredible. Mm. Like I said earlier, like it feels like that was my thing. Survivor yeah. was my thing, and now it's like I'm at peace. Just like I'm just chilling. Just like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. <laughs> Big ones. Fuck everyone. When um when you'd won the challenge, did you think like okay, I've like at what point did you think you could win the whole thing? Um, oh, like that night, I was obviously like, oh, I'm good for top three, and then it went to a top three final pitch, and apparently you dominated that. Been told. Absolutely slayed the pitch. <laughs> I think after, during the pitch, after I'd said my piece and the others had said theirs, I was like, my argument is so much stronger. 
because I spoke my pitch like telling the jury what I'd done and like this is why I'm here. Whereas the other guys were like, oh, you know, like I need the money because. Did you get so to hear theirs? Yeah. So we had to sit through. Did you go last? Yeah, I had to go last. So you're like the you're like the like the closer debater. Oh, I yeah. know. And so the whole time I'm sitting there, like trying not to listen to them because I've got my lines rehearsed, and I like know what's at stake. It's like half a million dollar speech, and so I'm sitting there, like literally going to be sick, wow. and I somehow did it. Oh, and I, you dominated. Yeah. How 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 long does that actually go for? Because on TV they obviously do a lot of editing. Oh, my God. That final tribal council, I reckon, went for, like, a few hours. So, like, each pitch was, like, 10 to 15 minutes. And then we all got questions from the jury for, like, another half an hour. Then it was filming all the endings, filming the families coming out, filming the celebrations, filming that we didn't win. Like, it went for so long. You had to pre-film, like, as if you'd won. Mm. So the other people had to film that they'd won. Mm. Oh. Yeah, we all had to film that you'd won and all film that oh. you'd lost. And what? And you're hugging Dan. You're and like, I'm like, oh my god, I've won. But in reality, I'm like, I just want to go to the hotel. Like, if I right. knew I'd won, I would have acted very differently. So you only find out you win post or whatever. Like, yeah, like. Watching the day of the finale is when we found out. Really? Wow. Yeah. Holy shit! That's I cool. didn't know that they filmed that. That's so disappointing for everyone else having to pretend that they had won. I know. <laughs> well, like you're all filming the moment you've won with hope that it's you. Yes. So, like, yeah. you are excited. Yeah, but it's not real. And then you have to also be standing on the side while someone's celebrating, like, oh, I didn't win. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, God, get me out of here. So everyone <laughs> – I mean, a lot of people have asked on social media, like, what's real and what's not? Like, how accurate is the – how accurate is the show? Like, have you watched the whole show? Have you seen it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's on repeat. Know. I mean, like, I used to go back and watch games at home, so I can, I can actually relate. But, like, so is it? Yeah, it is. Super accurate. Super real. It comes across a lot more glamorised than it is out there. Like, they don't, they don't show a lot of, like, because, look, we're getting filmed 47 days, 24-7. There's a camera mm. on us, and then that's cut down into 24 episodes of, like, an hour. Yeah. So they're missing so much of, like, the pain and the tears and the I want to go homes and the tantrums and it comes across like a lot more fun. And it comes across like there's a lot of like just like seems like wake up 7 a.m. and it's just like who's in the alignment? Like Drama. Who, who's talking to this yeah. person? Like yeah. Is it like that or is there like a lot of downtime? And like- there is a lot of downtime but then like on challenge, on days where like there's drama or there's like problems within the tribe it is a lot of like i want can we have a chat and you have to run down to the end of the beach so no one else will hear you and then it's like okay we've gone now what are those two talking about over there like it's this constant like right reading the room but you've got like a camera crew with you so you can't like hide no right but if you go no. have a chat with someone you, it's pretty obvious where you are yeah 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 do they have like um those uh what do they call like the the immunity idol like mm-hmm. the ones you don't win in a challenge but like the hidden you ones you find them yep yep did you did you think about that did you find any i found one bullshit i found one do they direct you where they are no nah. where how did you find it i always wonder like no so like history of survivor they're always in like a symbolic spot like somewhere where it looks like something where like you're walking and it catches your eye 
something that stands out. It's not out. just like hidden in the leaves on the ground. No, like it's – so I found mine in like the base of this massive um, palm tree that had tipped over and the roots were all coming out and it was like about up to my head height. And I was like, oh, like I was looking – Looking, looking, looking and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to find one. And then I was like, oh, just look over there. Like that looks weird. And then I went there and it was sitting there and I was like. Did anyone know you had it? I had that. Do you hide it? I hid it. And then I told one of the guys that I was working with that I had it. And then we um, blackmailed two other (laughs) girls to work with us. Using it. Using it. That's good. Did you um? Did you ever have to re- repeat? <laughs> oh, so did you ever have to um re- repeat anything to to cameras? Because so a mate of mine was on one called Million Dollar Island just recently, and he like did this thing and he stormed off, and the producer's like, "Okay, come back, do that again." No, no. Really? I think because they have cameras on you all the time, and I feel like as the game progresses, you know that if you want to go off and have like a really hectic discussion with someone. You can just like signal to a camera or just like wait till one's available and then like give them a nod and be like, I'm going over here and then they'll go with you. Right. 65 days on an island. What do you, what's your first meal? Like, do you put, they put you in a hotel? What do you, what do you eat? Yeah. So Dan and I went back to a resort and I ordered literally one thing off the whole menu. So I got like 20, one of everything. One of everything. Yeah. So got all <laughs> these dishes. Pardon? Like, on your um on the tab survivor tab absolutely <laughs> all these dishes on the tab and i had it took them it, the food came at 4 a.m. that's how long the night went right. and it, by the time it came i was like delusional i had like one bite of a couple when i was so full and felt sick and went to bed <laughs> so like a table full of food was yeah. it amazing getting into a bed like showering oh my God, getting showering. into a bed so like were you, like, dirty? Like, was that, like, were you oh, like- disgusting. <laughs> like, it, it took multiple days of showering for the towel to not come off me and be brown. And I'm in there, like, fully soaked, like, scrubbing myself with a cloth, like, everything, and still filthy. Wow. Like, the water was coming off me, like, brown. What did that feel like, putting your head on a pillow? Oh. Well, I've heard people that have come out of the show and they're like, oh, I had to sleep on the floor. Like I just couldn't readjust no. back to real life. And I'm nah, like, yeah, fuck. I literally went to bed and slept for like 12 hours. Like didn't move. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Dracula over here. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I, look, uh, you, you, I don't think you're lying, but like I just didn't know that you found out when you're watching. Like, no, 100%. So you found out when wow. you were watching. Like, yeah, so I've had to like th- hope and wonder and – Really? How long? Like how long? Like when did it finish and when did you? Um, we finished filming end of August. Oh, and you found out like last it's two month, months so. ago. Oh, end of September. So you had to wait October, like four, November, five months. November, January, February. Yeah. Wow, that's hectic. I did not know that. I know. So assume so you long. know, knew, and then you just don't tell people. No. Wow. I like knew I got to the final three and I was like, oh, I did well, but like I don't know how well. And they're like, you're lying, you're lying. And I'm like, I'm literally not. You can check my bank. Like I'm not lying. Wow. I just – That's cool. That's, that's a good detail. That's rattled me because I, had, I was like, oh, you've known. Yeah, just got to keep under wraps. No, because like, I feel like it's nice. Like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's actually it's whole, awesome. Yeah, you watch the whole show and relive it and then it's like this climax and everyone's just like, ah. Do you get like a text or a call from other contestants? Like, well done, or oh, yeah, we had like a group chat, and everyone's like super lovely and friendly. Is Jonathan in the chat? No. Oh, love Jonathan. Daddy Jonathan's not in the chat. I don't know any of these people. Jonathan's a host. Um, oh yeah, Jonathan. 
Desalio. Togliani or whatever. Perfect. I just made that up. Mate, well done. Well on Survivor, but I know, I know that I know that you feel happy about that. But I'm I'm here to tell you, back chat in the audience, think you've done pretty well in your career as well. So good job on that. Bloody impressive. Good job on Survivor. Hmm. Been a really good chat. Um, Have you enjoyed yourself? Yeah, I have. I feel lighter. Was it? (laughs) Do this every week. Coming for a chat. I'll just pop by. (laughs) (laughs) Oh mate, we're in here. Don't worry. Um, Before we finish, Mm. you've heard questions from Dan and I. You've heard enough. Now it's time for social media. Not social, social. Yeah, I know. It's impressive. She's not impressed. Ready? She's yeah. impressed. She wants a vibe. She's not impressed by social pun. Nick Paratore 7. Uh, Street X and Backchat collab? Mm. Question mark? Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk right. right now. You want to do one? Yeah, we'll have a meeting with the boss. No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, you're the boss, mate. Daniel. I'm the boss, bitch. Yes. <laughs> he called me a bitch on text, so I can say he's the bitch. Yeah. Um, he called me, he actually called me a bitch. I know who he would have. Did I say it on here? What did what? he text me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I did. Great She's intel. She's a two-time Olympian. I want yeah, an in, intel on you. I want to be a goss. A bit of something I couldn't he's look up on Wikipedia. He's so embarrassed. She was in the Olympics twice. Oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Appreciate that, mate. Jay underscore Harvey three two seven five. What was the biggest difference you found between the edited version of Survivor of the show and how the game unfolded in real life? Sounds like nothing. Yeah, literally no difference at all. I wow. think they nailed it in terms of covering all the big gameplays and stories and conversations. I think it was flawless. Wow. I'm sure everyone all the, everyone who's listening to this who didn't watch Survivor would feel like me. I'm like, can we just wrap this up so I can go watch Survivor? <laughs> um, four to go. Uh, Ryan underscore Benny 27. Uh, what was it like? Uh, but nah. Yeah, no, we've, Sorry. we've done that. Vanilla Parfait. Parfait. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, were there any other field events you think you could have been good at? Oh, I think I could have been good at high jump or maybe triple jump. Triple jump? I feel like I was kind of made for the jumping events obviously like my height not long jump oh i feel like triple jumps more suited to like the longer legs and like i feel like that would have been an advantage for me because i have long legs and then high jump is just like fun on a shot putter tim underscore finkelde uh what australian uniforms do you have in your closet oh i wanted to ask this great thank you Tim. great question yeah what do you got heaps of stuff do you Mm. like Blazers. I've got – so I had a melt when we were moving house because I couldn't find any, like, memorabilia from 2012 Olympics. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what have I done? And then I found the opening ceremony blazer. Is it a nice colour? So – oh, it's been just some green. Okay, that's good. Was like, it pinstripe? None of them are, like, good looking, but I'm going to get it framed and, like, yeah, I think nice. it would be really nice to have. Do you have, like – what sort of kit do you get? Like, you get a blazer, but, like, they oh, you like, jumpers so and trackies like- and – Really? Jumpers, trackies, shorts, leggings, singlets, t-shirts, long sleeve socks, hats. Do you bags. have all that stuff still? Yeah, I have so Could much. Could we please stuff. borrow some of it to put on in our set? Could we have your like least yeah. valuable item? Least valuable. I'm talking. I've got like, so much shit. You can have something. Yeah. We want something to add to the collection of <laughs> yeah. random stuff in our. Yeah, perfect. That'd be great. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm actually very excited about that. That's great. Uh, Sam is urban. Uh, hey, Sam. Well, how hard was it keeping a lid on how far you went in Survivor? Well, there you go. So well, you, yeah. the fact that I made it to the top three. Did you have to keep that quiet? Yeah. Was that hard? I obviously only told like Dan- Daniel was there, like my parents and my sister. And then 
when sports bet came out and I was a favorite literally the whole time throughout the season, people started asking me questions and I was just like, oh fuck, like what do I even say? Like I did well, I don't know. And then I had to start telling people that like I didn't, we filmed alternate endings. So it was easy because I didn't know. But I didn't want to spoil it for anyone to say how far I got as well. So it was hard. Is, okay. And because is everyone away for the same amount of time? Mm. Right, so... No, so if you go past halfway, you have to stay the whole time. Right. But if you get knocked out at the start, you go home straight away. The first person that gets knocked out, I don't That's know who that brutal. was. You remember, we, we were involved in that person. Like, yeah. How, what, what, what is... How do you, you, you know how to be good at Survivor. You won it. How do you be bad? Like what, how do you get knocked out first? What do you have to do? To be a real dickhead? Oh. You don't have to say it, but it's bad. But like... No, I think the first votes are always quite dependent on like a physical strength basis because you want people in your tribe who can help physically at challenges. And so this person right. in particular was one of the weaker ones on our tribe at the time. Right. So <laughs> Turfed him. I, I would genuinely last about like, one week. I'd be no, you'd with. be so surprised. I was like if I last a week – and at least cover the length of my Europe trip so I don't feel bad for leaving my holiday, I'm good. But you went there to win it. I know you went there to win it. I literally didn't. No. No. Don't believe you. After this entire podcast, and we're finishing after this, you went there to win it and you can't tell me you didn't because I, I, I don't know you, but I know you. You're yeah. competitor, mate. As if you went there and be like, oh, whatever happens, I'm easy going. No. I know. Well, maybe something internally yes. was like she's winning. Correct. But really she was just like. If I asked Daniel, what would he say? He literally was like, where is she? I thought she'd be home by now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the support there. No, because like it is not my scene. I don't know how I lasted that long out there roughing it. But I think it's been pretty obvious on this podcast why it yeah. lasted so long. Beast. Well done, mate. Um, Backchat double underscore is our socials. Backchatpodcast.com.au. Find all the stuff there. Our patrons, we've got something special coming up with Liz yeah. after this. A big thank, thank you to Fleet Network. Backchat powered by Fleet Network in 2023. And thanks to our sponsors. And if you want to become a sponsor, aka Street X, just let us know. Swimply, Whippersnapper Whiskey, Muggle River Roasting Co., Blue Bet, Shelter Brewing Co., and of course, Leadable Cameras. We love your support. Hope you had fun. This is part of everybody. <laughs>